Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Pastor Matt, and I am here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. And Pastor Todd. Hello. And it's been an eventful week, I think, for all of us here. I uh, wanted to ask you guys how it went. Pastor Jamal, I know you were in Arkansas. I was away whitewater rafting with the young adults, and Pastor Todd was hearing about the uh, car dealership experience. So all of us had a bunch of different stuff going on. How'd it go? Well, I will share my car experience. Uh, Elizabeth is able to drive now, so we're giving her a hand-me-down car from Steph, and so we had to replace Steph's car uh, for when the school starts. And we found a decent car, 4,000 miles, uh, good price and all that. So we went to the car dealership, worked out all the finances, made our, our... payment you know what we were paying in cash deposit whatever you call it and uh as we're finishing up the finances the the salesman's like all right i'm gonna go call your car insurance so that we can uh you know get the get on the insurance and then you're ready to go you can drive it out uh he calls zon wait when we get there you know back over to his desk passes the phone off to my wife and the insurance person says uh you can't have insurance on your car (laughs) <laughs> so, okay. And so Steph was kind of like, well, what do you mean I can't have insurance on the car? Is there a problem with our insurance? And uh, he's like, the woman was like, no, no, we're just, uh, there, there's a hurricane coming, so we're not giving out insurance policies. <laughs> so Steph's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? There's a hurricane coming. You can't get insurance. Like, we just paid for this car. Yeah. So... I'm not allowed to take it home or anything because there's a hurricane coming. That's yeah. Also, and I'm trying to give you money. You don't want it, right? And so they're like, they're like, well, it's not our fault. The state of New Jersey is saying we're not allowed to give anybody new policies or change anybody's policies. So <laughs> we're seriously like, well, what are we supposed to do? So the sales guy goes, uh, let me go talk to my manager because he didn't know what to do. The manager comes over and says, basically, like. Um, well, because you're covered and have full comp on another vehicle, you're covered for like 72 hours. So so on the way out, now Steph's mad. And so on the way out, she's like, well, I don't know how all these people are going to buy cars today if they can't have insurance on their cars. <laughs> and I'm like, shh, shh. You're going to make them lose all these sales. <laughs> and the salesman's not going to be happy with us. Oh, yeah, but yeah. but uh, we, ended up, we ended up getting a home and then we put it in the garage. The first car we've parked in our new garage. We get it in the garage because we're like, you know, God forbid a tree branch does come down on it, you know, before our 72 hours are up or whatever. Right, right. So Steph's going to was going to call today and basically say, um, all we got was a sprinkle. Now can we please have car insurance? Seriously, what are we paying for? It just it was like the most ridiculous thing. And what's funny is they're like, um, well, it's not us. It's the state of New Jersey. They're saying we're not allowed to change car insurances right now. So my so Steph goes, you send me like 50 emails a week about all these different things we can do with your rates and add this and all that and all that. She goes, you couldn't just send an email saying, hey, by the way, with the hurricane coming, we're not going to be able to change your insurance for a couple of days. So make sure it's done now. So the yeah, woman, real. woman wasn't happy about that. So, but... Anyway, so don't buy your car if there's a hurricane somewhere happening in the world. Okay. 
because you're not going to get insurance for it. Sheesh. Dude, insurance. That's a business to get into, I guess. Everybody gives you money and you never have to help anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just kidding. If, if you're listening to this and you do insurance, thank you for your uh, contribution. So, Pastor Jamal, how was uh, Arkansas? You flew back to Arkansas. Yeah, um, it was cool. Uh, I had an opportunity to um, minister at a church uh, for a youth event, youth rally. Um, the students were students that were at Arkansas camp that I had already been to and saw saw a good amount of them. And well, actually, only saw about like really ten of the the kids. He has a youth group of like maybe seventy five, hundred kids. So um, he was he was really looking to kind of just really hype them up for the school year, get them kind of focused. And so I had the opportunity to go and speak. So that was cool. It was a blessing. Nice. And, uh, yeah, you had, you were connected because you were there for camp previously. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And we were away, uh, young adults. We went whitewater rafting and actually it was originally a youth event that, uh, became a young adult event. And, um, it was a lot of fun. I was getting nervous that, yeah, because of the possible hurricane, it was going to be raining on Saturday, but it ended up being perfect weather. It was class three. So that means like sections of it are class three. And it was so much fun, honestly. I would totally do that again. And I would use the same company too, because they were so chill about it. And um, I think they, you know, so much of it is common sense or just physics or whatever. So you kind of freak out if you get stuck on a rock or whatever, but they don't immediately help you because give it 10 to 30 seconds, you'll you'll figure out how to get you know whatever and then uh rebecca said her biggest fear was falling in which uh she was the only one on our raft that did fall in (laughs) but once she did she was like oh that wasn't even that bad it was fine like you know they just tell you not to fight it you just float in the uh the life vest and yeah somebody picks you up Well, well we were able to pick her up like a minute later and uh it, it really was just like so much fun and it was funny because like when we were done it was probably like four hours on the water okay. we like closed our anytime you close your eyes like you just saw the river and you felt the rocks underneath you like all right there's a rock there's a rock and we like came up with a system and everything so we knew how to move so we'd be like counting out loud that was our system <laughs> so it was just like it was so fun it was a good time and then uh, we had an airbnb that had a hot tub so that was a great way to end that experience. Nice. The hot tub that night. It's nice. So I saw some of the pictures and I saw that you had like a nice little fireplace. Yeah. I know you said you didn't use it, but it was still cool looking. Yeah. Uh, and you did a graduation ceremony? Yes. Yeah. For Jeremy, who he finished New Jersey School of Ministry, uh, which I think I think he did for two or maybe three years. And so that Saturday was his graduation. Um, I don't think it's like a huge pomp and circumstance thing, which is why he was like, oh, I really want to go on the retreat. And I remember telling him, like, well, man, you know, you don't always get to graduate. Like, that's usually one time. So, you know, I don't want to tell you you should miss that. But he's like, no, I I really want to go. So I'm so glad he came, obviously. But so we did a fun little graduation. I put the the pomp and circumstance song on. (laughs) Just did that. And uh, we all spoke. We all said something about Jeremy. And I gave him a fire Bible, too, actually, because I had another one. I thought that's a really great tool as well, you know, um, to study God's word further. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a really, really great weekend. But let's talk about the sermon. 
and specifically God's sovereignty. You know, that was the topic that Pastor Jeff preached on. And he introduced the concept, but then he was in Daniel chapter 4, which is that story of King Nebuchadnezzar, how he actually lost his sanity for seven years, but then he came back, he was humbled by God. Yeah, it's kind of a strange story. Mm -hmm. And he even said, he's like, you know, I wonder how many people even knew that, like, story, because I'm like, yeah, it's not a, like, one of your staple Bible stories, Moses parting the Red Sea, Noah's Ark, Jesus feeding the 5,000. (laughs) <laughs> this one isn't one that you... Well, Daniel and the Lions. And actually, there's a lot of famous stories in Daniel, but this one is a little more under the radar, I guess. Obey God or you become a wild animal. <laughs> like it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those intense things that's like God's moving unusual. You know, you can't make a whole doctrine out of it, but it is, it is really like interesting to read and see. Yeah, so, you know, let's start with this. When Pastor Jeff was opening up the topic really the sovereignty of god it's a humbling doctrine an exalting doctrine mysterious Mm -hmm. clarifying doctrine all these different uh thoughts empowering he said but i thought this is really interesting he said the problem with many people's christianity is that their god is too small and that is so true that is so true um and actually i was kind of thinking about this the other day too so i wanted to ask you know why is our view of God small or, or <clears throat> in what ways do we have too s- small a view of God? Like when he says that, hmm. how would you unpack that a little further? Or even in, in, in regards to the sovereignty of God, if you, if you think that makes sense. I guess sometimes like my, my view of God is small when I feel like I'm the one who has to carry it all or I'm the one who has to fix it or I'm the one who has to, carry all the responsibility. <clears throat> I also think sometimes my view of God is too small when the first thing I do is run for medicine. Mm. Not that not that I'm anti-medicine by any means, but it's like sometimes my natural reaction is to deal with it in the physical and not think about how God can intervene in those things. Um, and I think we do that. That's just an example of medicine, but I think we do that in a lot of areas where like if there's a problem, either we feel like we have to fix it or we feel like um, there's not a lot of our first thought isn't about how God can intervene in that. Yeah. Uh, or that maybe God's not worried about this or concerned about that. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else I, I understand kind of like what he's getting at that. I'm just, having a hard time thinking of like examples of that where we sometimes yeah, yeah, we yeah, do no. that, you know? Yeah. I think the m- thing that comes to my mind is the, the scripture verse, Isaiah 55, nine, that our ways, you know, the way we process and think and are really ultimately fashioned as human beings is finite in comparison to God who is infinite. So therefore the way we process things always seem to fall short because he is that big. He is that great. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's simple, but it is, at the same time, I guess not normally our go-to thought process, uh, but that's really kind of the reality. He's small because we don't think like him. We're not made like him. We're different. Um, some of that, too, <clears throat> some of that in my mind comes from we've been studying doctrines in our uh, focus group for Sunday, for Sunday for youth group, and we've been doing the Holy Tr- We did the Trinity yesterday. And so unpacking the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, is obviously not... Um, a walk in the park. And so some of that kind of 
comes from that understanding. Like there are things and mysteries about who God is that will continue to be shrouded until we see him face to face simply based on the fact that he is God and we are not, you know, we're not the same beings. Yeah. I was, uh, reading, listening. I don't know. Lately, uh, God's transcendence has come up in some things I'm looking at and his transcendence, his otherness, how he's so far beyond, you know, us, some denominations or some groups, uh, not denominations, some circles, will emphasize God's transcendence so much. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast about these guys um, that they think, you know, God is ultimately unknowable. There's there's nothing that can be known about him. I think that's almost anti-biblical, though, because God is choosing to reveal himself mm-hmm. in the Bible. But mm-hmm. I do think, I do appreciate the um, the perspective that they're trying to offer, though, that God's transcendence, uh, he truly is so much greater than us. And I've heard it, I've heard it said before too is that like we trust God for salvation but we don't trust him for anything else and mm-hmm. again so when it comes to our small view of God I guess we either don't take seriously our need for salvation or we compartmentalize it so well yeah I need to be saved from my sins and I want to go to heaven when I die so of course Jesus is the only way to get there but right these other things in my life it it just doesn't even cross our mind because our view of god is so small yeah and the only other thing i was going to say that when pastor jamal talked about infinite versus finite and you were kind of hitting on that too is sometimes we think god is basically like a magical person like like we view him the same way we view each other that he feels the same way we feel he thinks the same way we think uh but he is completely other. He's more than human. He's bigger. He's other than human. He's he's not just a, a great big uh, magical version of a human being. You yeah. know what I mean? Like his intelligence goes far beyond. His creativity goes far beyond. His understanding, all those things go beyond what people do. And he's not just... Uh, uh, a sky daddy <laughs> so yeah. to speak you know he's he's something bigger than us you know so yeah yeah no that's a really great way to put it actually and uh but again he he relates to us as a father that's how he reveals himself and i read either this morning or the day before um jesus says if you've seen me you've seen the father so just to piggyback from what i was saying earlier that you know we yeah. can know who god is but that's a really great uh way to characterize it that you just said pastor todd <clears throat> i think too just kind of living off of uh, the trinity thing that we were talking about yesterday the reality too is that god has not just revealed himself as father but has revealed himself in multiple ways like the father son and the holy spirit and while there is this idea of transcendence the transcendence goes beyond space like in terms of like um distance but um to the point where God has almost in an uh, otherness type of way brought closeness. So, right, the idea that God the Father, um, the role that we understand, not to kind of step into mod- modulism because that's not what I'm trying to do, um, but the idea that God is so big that he is this distance and yet chose to reveal himself through Jesus, and that's almost like him taking a step closer to who we are as human beings, and then to take the step even further by 
moving to a place where he says, now I'm going to put my spirit in you. So it goes from him being so transcendent that he's this distance away and then still transcendent, but close in the sense that he's Jesus. And then even closer by the presence of the Holy Spirit now being in us. It's like his otherness, his sovereignty and transcendence goes so deep that he found a way to even weave himself into our very fabric and being. Wow. <laughs> that's, just that. that's really cool. That's a cool way to put it as well. Yeah, yeah and so when we talk about this <clears throat> idea of God's sovereignty, it, it's incredible for those reasons, this doctrine, if you will. And I think a lot of times in our circles, us being, you know, I know this word is getting thrown Jeez. around a lot, but evangelical, but also Pentecostal. I think that's sometimes things that we emphasize a little less. There's your 72-hour hurricane right there. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing uh, right now it, it is starting to pour at the time of this recording. So that's why the car's in the garage. That's why the car's that, in the garage. That is why the car's <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> that's why they didn't want to do insurance policies. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> I did. <clears throat> but so I do want to talk about um, some other traditions of faith that kind of emphasize this a little more but before we even do that we're actually sure yeah I, no let's go there actually because that makes more sense that's where we're talking right now so you know there's the whole discussion of like calvinism versus arminianism and it's kind of that tension between god's sovereignty and and man's free will so like again that's what i was saying in our circles we i don't want to say we because we don't de-emphasize God's sovereignty, but we've, I don't know, I guess we focus on other things, if you will, or God's presence with us, or again, we, we believe we have free will and those types of things. So if you want to lean a little more the other direction, that's where you're going to get into Calvinism. And then there's some, uh, there's more to Calvinism. But I don't know if you guys wanted to speak to that, if you want to unpack maybe what those beliefs are or like whatever, you just want to speak to that. I am not good on unpacking all these things because <laughs> there's a lot to remember between the two of them, Calvinism and Arminianism. But if you go to an Assemblies of God church, just so you know, so everyone's aware, uh, you are going to a church that does take the Arminian stance on theology. And I think the one area that I do know is the biggest difference is with the biggest difference that I know, I should say it that way is Calvinism, Arminianism, when it comes to salvation. Arminianism believes that man can approach God, uh, and there's an aspect that we play with choosing to accept God's free gift. And Calvinism basically says, you have no choice. If God offers it to you, you will accept it because it's God's sovereignty. Right. Uh, it's irresistible or whatever. But Arminianism is a little bit more like God reaches out in salvation, and then we have to respond, and we have to make the choice to receive that salvation. So that's the one thing that I know. Uh, and then there's a lot of other things that I know. It's a lot to remember. Right. So you kind of blended two, two kind of thoughts, I think, that um, sometimes kick up when you talk about Arminianism and Calvinism, right? So the idea that we get to choose, that so Arminianism, people who lean this way, would they don't call it this, but this is the official term. It's called partial depravity. The idea that man is sinful up until the point to where sin, man has the opportunity to choose. And then you have Calvinists who believe in total depravity where you don't have the right to choose. And then the fact that you are chosen is by 
God's selection and, and grace alone. So you would you do you I don't know if this is the same thing or not, if you could speak to this. <clears throat> I've heard it described similarly, but like that we would believe in total depravity, that yeah, man can do nothing for himself. But it's the grace of God, it's prevenient grace that he gives us. So it's still it's an act of God to now allow us to make the choice. Would you just say that's another way of saying what you just said? Or is that kind of different? I think it depends on who you ask. Okay. Because uh, that's how I've understood it, and I kind of liked that. I think it depends on who you ask. Some people would probably flat out just be like, no, they're not the same. And, okay. and just kind of hang their hat there. Um, and I mean, I... Sorry, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I'm just trying to think if I... Um, if I have a lean, I think I would probably lean, uh, lean to partial depravity with sprinkles of total depravity, which I guess is still partial depravity. Um, <laughs> that, that's why I liked that. I've, that's why I've understood it. And maybe I should refresh. I think Prevenient grace. That's what I, I understood. But I think it. that the problem that most Calvinists have with partial depravity is that you have some, you somehow uh, have a role to play within your salvation. And I think that I understand why they want to move away from that is because salvation is a work of God, not a work of man, period. So now, so this, this is where my sprinkles of, uh, you know, total depravity come in. Like, right, it's a work of God. So how can I take claim of anything that, that God has done? Like, to do so would be heresy, which is uh, ironically what Arminianism was slated as at some point was uh, or maybe still is heresy. So, um, you it's know, I, uh, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, like I, I know that the minute you no step way. in, the minute you step in and you say, when it comes to salvation, that I played a part, I think most Calvinists feel like you're in some dangerous territory, some dangerous waters claiming works that you have no, uh, authority to claim. And I understand that. Like you never want to, you never want to do that ever. Um, and especially too, in all the different scriptures where Paul talks about, Hey, this is a free gift of God, not, uh, not uh, a free gift of God so that no man may boast It's not works. That's, that's, that's simply what it is. So I understand that. And then the other thing you threw out there, Pastor Todd, uh, was the irresistible grace, right? So the, um, the eye and the tulip, right? Total depravity, uh, depravity, um, uh, irresistible grace, this idea that once God uh, once God kind of offers his grace to you, there's no way that you can reject it. It's, you know, like it's because it's God's grace. It's so like who can, you know, reject something that comes from the Lord is kind of, I think, some of the idea behind that argument. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I can, again, I understand that. Um I understand that. However, what we've experienced and even too what you see in scripture sometimes is men and women who actually do walk away from the grace of God. I mean, I think the one thing that pops into my mind is, you know, Jesus and the rich young ruler. He says, go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. That sounds like to me an extension of grace, an invitation from the, the son of God. Hey, why don't you come and live this life and be one of my disciples? And this guy goes away sad because he had a whole bunch of stuff. And so like my mind goes into this place of like, if the grace of God is irresistible in this idea of salvation, um, then why do we see stories like that? Why does Jesus tell a parable about 
a sower going to sell, uh, sow seed. And we see these moments where the fruit of that seed does not come to fruition, even though it's present, maybe, and even when it starts. And I was going to say, even when we see that it grows and then it gets choked out. Yeah. So, so I think the thing is, I think we would say, listen, the only reason why I can even respond to God to accept this gift is because he moved within me. And I think that's what Pastor Matt was trying to say. Like, <clears throat> it's not that we are like so great that we can recognize God when other people don't. It's God moved within me to bring me to this place. But then... Is it truly loving God for us to not have a choice? And that's part of the thing that we say, like, because at that point, then we just become robot, robots. Yeah. You know I think, what I mean? I think some of the friend circles that I have is I'm a, I am grateful for my both my Arminian heavy and Calvinist heavy friends. I also have been uh, blessed to find a circle of people who are uh I'll just call them like, you know, blended, a balanced blend. Uh, and the way that we have conversation about some things just has really, for me, opened up the scriptures in a way that allows me to appreciate both sides while still pursuing the one who set all of this in motion. Right. And what really kind of brought it to light to me, really, honestly, the, excuse me, was the last um, the last few years of our whatever, the last few years of our political kind of like uh, seasons in the United States, because it came to, it, it just kind of opened up for me the idea that Armenianism and Calvinism are two systems of theology. And, and sometimes the way that, you know, these two, that the, sometimes the way that we see two particular political parties going at it is how you see these two systems of theology going at one another. And I think We'll say the um, collateral from some of that political s stuff helped me to kind of start to think about what is it, what would it look like to maybe have a more balanced approach to these systems of theology and and finding God in the middle of all of that. So that's just my personal two cents. Yeah, and <clears throat> something that I feel like you know I learned uh, when learning about this, especially more in college, is the Bible speaks to both perspectives, and that's why they both exist. And so. You know, you may say, well, you're trying to, like, straddle the fence or whatever, but that that is the reality. It talks, the Bible talks about God hardening the heart of Pharaoh, so it seems like there was totally yeah. a God thing, predestined, if you will. The Bible talks about predestination. It literally uses that word, that people are predestined. But then it talks about, yeah, walking away from faith. It talks about apostasy and other things like that. And so how do we understand those and actually, it was funny. I may have said this in the podcast, but like in my he Hebrews class, I took a class on the book of Hebrews and that passage in Hebrews six, where it talks about that you can, it's impossible for those who have once uh, <coughs> tasted of, uh, I forgot what the word is, faith or yeah. something uh, to be away. restored back, who, yeah, who have fallen away. So uh, he, the teacher just assigned us positions. So like, okay, I believe that you can lose your salvation, but I had to defend the view that you could not lose your salvation mm -hmm. based off that verse. And it was funny because somebody after class was like, man, I think I'm going to rethink my position because of everything you said, Matt. And I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was just doing the assignment. Like the teacher told me this, but like, you know, so I think both, I like the other thing I heard one of my professors said, I can't remember who it was. Or maybe it was a professor, but I heard somewhere instead of saying I am a Calvinist or I am an Arminianist, it's better how you worded it, Pastor Jamal, maybe to just say I lean this way instead of <clears throat> identifying this is 
who I am. I'm a Calvinist or I have these things like, no, I lean towards this from what I see in scripture. I think these things make sense. Uh, I think that's a good way to kind of understand it. Um, I was trying to look up if Arminianism was officially a heresy. That's what I was doing all that time. And from what I can tell on a quick, I should come back. I could, could check this for next week, but it looks like there was a, uh, Synod, if that's how you say it. Synod, yeah. Synod that did rule Armenians, Armenians as heretics. This was in uh, Norway, but it was only a group of Calvinists. Armenianism came <laughs> as a result of Calvinism. It was a response to Calvinism. So then some of these Dutch Calvinists called a meeting together and didn't let Arminius, Arminianists in, decided that they were heretics, and that's that. But no ever official council of the church or anything like that ever deemed it that way. So that's why it's like, oh, they are heretics. Oh, they're not heretics. Um, so that w- I, because you said that, I had to look that up. So that's that's what I found so far. I guess I could talk more about it. but And somewhere down the line, there's probably a third answer that none of us know and God knows, and he's like, duh. So there is, actually. <laughs> I was going to I was gonna share that, too, actually, when it came okay. comes to sovereignty and free will. <clears throat> so this is my guy, William Lane Craig, who's the apologist, philosopher, I just like listen to all his stuff. He has a view called Molinism. It's named after the guy. It sounds super weird, but it's this guy's last name who came up with it, I guess. Basically, it's an in-between. It's trying to preserve God's sovereignty and free will. So basically, God um, knows what we would do in any possible world. And the proof text for this would be Matthew, where Jesus says, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the miracles that I'm performing here, they would have repented. So the question is, then why didn't Jesus go to Sodom and Gomorrah back in the day and do these miracles if they would have repented? And so they kind of use that verse to kind of expand and say, well, because this is the actual world, this is how God wanted it. Maybe more people would come to God this way or whatever. But the point is, so God knows what decisions you would make in any given circumstance, any way that he can make the world. So he made the world in a way and put you in a place where you would freely make the decisions you would make. But so it's according to his sovereign will, but you're freely electing to make those decisions. So it's the way so. he wanted it or the way he allowed it? Uh, and, and Aren't those two different things? Yeah, but if you get what I'm saying, maybe I'm not explaining it perfect, but let, it's, trying to, it's trying to preserve both fully, the sovereignty and the free will. Right. You have complete free will to make the decisions you want. But, but God, God knew that you would choose that way. So God right. knew that about everybody and created the world that he wanted right. based off of what our free decisions would be. Right. But doesn't, doesn't allow seem to lend to that more than want. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause if I exactly. said, if you said, well, God wants it this way and I look around and I see, um, you know, pain, death, destruction, I'm like, Hmm, that's an interesting want, you know, from an omniscient, omnipotent being, you know, as opposed to he allowed, now, the allowed to me says, okay, is this necessarily the route he would have wanted it to take? Probably not. Is this the way that it's going? Yes. And even if this is the way that it's going, he's allowed it more likely because he has a plan of redemption at work. Yeah. So the allowance, in my opinion, this is my personal opinion, the allowance gives more breadth, breadth with a D-T-H, more breadth, whatever, however you, however you say that, but it gives more breadth for 
the sovereignty of the Lord because now I have to entertain the idea that despite the evidence of brokenness around me, God is still at work. When you say want, my mind says, okay, this is the best that God has to offer, and I doubt that. Like, immediately my thought well, goes... I will say... So, no, I, I think what you're <coughs> pointing out is correct. So I probably should say allow... And again, I'm probably not explaining this adequately because it was took me a while to understand this. And that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I fully understand it, but this is the view. But I would say from what you just said that potentially is this the best God can do? I think that if you are like a real proponent of this view, you would say yes, because it's like saying it's like the idea. I'm just telling you how I think this could be defended by somebody. Okay. I'm not saying one way or the other, <clears throat> the idea that, okay, God can do anything, right? Can God, um, uh, make a rock that he cannot lift everybody. Blah, blah, blah. The answer is no, he, he can't. And so it's like, Oh, so God, there's something God can't do. Like, no, that that's, that's, it's an inaccurate view of what it means to do anything or, or no God, I guess can't do anything in that sense. Can God make a married bachelor? No, that that's, it's an oxymoron. Like that, that's, that's, it's a lang it's a linguistic thing to like, can God make a married bachelor? That that's a, can God make a square circle? No, a, a square is one thing and a circle is something else by definition. So can God change our definitions if he wants? Well, sure. Yeah. God, God can do anything, but like, no, God is not going to make a square circle or a married bachelor. A bachelor means an unmarried man. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's what they would say. So when it comes to free will, if God is going to preserve our free will completely, um, yeah, maybe this is the best he would do given everybody's free will. This is the best possible world that God could make uh, given our free decisions and his sovereign will. Now I'm not I'm not trying to say that that's you should believe that or something. I'm just saying that that would I think be the response. So, which is yeah, it's kind of weird. It, it feel it feels like maybe you're taking God off the pedestal a little bit. They would tell you they're not. They would actually say they're not because God again has knowledge of every single circumstance, every possible circumstance. God knows what you would do in any situation, how you would respond to the gospel in any life circumstance. And so he placed you in this one. But again, it's kind of like, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. So, Okay. Sorry. I mean, I would push back on that. Just in my mind, I'm like, eh, I disagree. Because at the end of the day, if it's, if it's a matter of preserving free will, but still having the opportunity to hope for him to hold sovereignty, then why wouldn't he just wipe the earth again? But you could, yeah. No, no, I, yeah, I, I so think like, that's, that's why I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's the best because the best that he, the best that, the best that he brought was in Christ Jesus, my, my opinion. So like, you know, respectfully. Um, so the idea that like, oh no, maybe this is the best. I'm like, nah, maybe not so much. You know, like, and I would th like to think that the best is yet to come. That's why we get a new heavens, new earth, right? Yeah. Like, at least in my limited understanding of what some of that means. No, no, no. I, I like that. I like what you said, that the best is yet to come. And that's the reality. I think sometimes these discussions can get a little heady um, or in the clouds. So I think that's the idea of that, that knowledge, that doctrine or whatever is trying to preserve the free will. I think that's the goal of it. But 
but yeah, that's um. But I think see, you, that's, you said it. But I think that that's why some Calvinists have an issue. It's it's like your attempt to try to preserve the free will for them is a view of idolatry, mm-hmm. because in some way, shape, or form, you want to have some sort of control. But if you would let go of control and allow the one, you know, the creator of the universe to write the story, he will write the best ending for the story if yeah. you just submit. And and that's kind of their approach to it, which is why I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand. And, and they're right in the regards of like, yeah, in the hands of the Lord, in the hands of God. Man, trust me, he's he's got it all figured out and he knows what he's doing. Doesn't need my help. I think what people struggle with, though, is the lived experience of free will and yes. the lived experience of choice and so many different things. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, both right or wrong, or, you know, good or bad. And so those lived experiences sometimes color the way that we read scripture, color the way that we interpret things. And, um, yeah, I think that's why you see some people like, there's no way God would do this. Why would he do that? Or, you know, this is the character and the nature of God. You know, he would approach it like this. And yet we still see the char- the nature of God to harden Pharaoh's heart. You know, so like, of course, all of those things, you know, when they bleed together, it comes becomes a little difficult. But I do think, I do believe sometimes we do have a tendency to maybe try to hold on to our free will a little bit too, a little bit too much because we like control. We like to be you know, numero uno. Yeah, and that's, again, the even what you said about Pharaoh's heart, I think it's a good example of how they're both in Scripture. You know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but then it also at other times said Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And you see, like, there's something to both going on. There's a level of both, of God's sovereignty and, and our free will. And um, <clears throat> something I like that Pastor Jeff said in his sermon, I think maybe this is a distinction. I don't know if I've heard it this way before, and I thought this was really good. He said, only God knows why, you know, uh, but God permits man to act contrary to his revealed will. Never will he allow man to act contrary to his sovereign will. And I think that's an interesting distinction and that may help us. Yeah, because if God is ultimately sovereign, then how can anything in the world? So it's like, well, yeah, God allows man to act contrary to his revealed will. This is what I want for your life. You know, I want you to come to faith. I want you to make the right decision. Um, but he'll never allow man to act contrary against his sovereign will. Um, I don't know. I think that that helps me at least. And it helps me because I was talking to somebody about, <clears throat> you know, elections and leaders. And somebody was like, well, do you think that this is God's perfect will when this person becomes a leader or do you think God just allowed it? And I'm like, you know, that's a tough question, but I think that this characterization helps us uh, no matter who is a leader at any point in time, they'll never go against God's sovereign will his, or his ultimate will. If maybe that's a way to put it. Um, I think these concepts are hard to fully wrap our heads around because once again we're trying to understand <clears throat> the nature of the infinite based upon what we understand of the finite too. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to understand God's will based upon our ability to understand will in the physical world and based upon what we see and understand, but God sees the whole big picture. And so it's, I think it's, 
I think it's really, really hard to say God does this because of that, and I can lock it that down somewhere in Scripture or like like only because part of God's sovereignty is God does what He wants to do. <laughs> uh, there's certain characteristics about God that we can count on, but there are times where, in order for God to be fully good, He, he chooses to do this thing even though it doesn't make sense to us you know what i mean and for god to be fully in control he chooses to do this thing when it doesn't make sense to us and and so i think it's you know people will talk about this for all of eternity (laughs) you know until the moment jesus returns and we see face to face what god does and why he does it if he even chooses to share with us then you know I know some people are like, the first thing that happens when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask, why did God do this? But I think when we get to heaven and that moment comes, I think that's going to be the last thing we're worried about is why God did this, why yeah. I did that, you know. Yeah. Uh, on a street level, we're trying to understand the, the problem of free will. And it's funny how sometimes we want God to exercise sovereign control over, over other people's choices, but then we don't want God to exercise sovereign control over our our choices that's really you know and so i think that comes into play with some of this too we're like well god has full control why didn't he stop that from happening but we would not be okay with god stopping us from making the choices we make sometimes right and if if i'm a little silly with this but to take it out further if i want god to stop every bad decision then do you want your car to break down every time when you go to turn it on because god doesn't want you to go somewhere because well, it's not that bad what I want to do, or it's not a sin, or yeah. what's it going to lead to? Well, well, I wouldn't want that. That's an inconvenience. Uh, that's horrible. That's money. That's time. But that's what, yeah, but when something else happens, yeah, why didn't God do something? Or we always want to say, why didn't God do something about that? But the good in my life are th- is the good that's happened because of what I've done. You know, so so it, it, it's it's a lot more complicated than just, God is sovereign, and so he does whatever he wants in every situation. And I'm not, I'm, I'm just talking from street level aspect. Right, yeah. Because we would say, well, that's manipulative that he makes me do this or he makes me do that. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it's not so cut and dry because our understanding of it is often just focused around ourselves. So it, it gets, it gets muddy and hard, you know? Yeah, and I think, um, and Pastor Jeff kind of alluded to it, I think, in the sermon a little bit. I think when we get into these discussions and, okay, God is sovereign, God is in control, put it that way, that's something that almost every Christian probably would say and believe. Oh, well, God's in control. And that's what we mean when we say God's sovereign. I guess we're saying how in control or to what degree. That's (coughs) maybe the conversation, but... Yeah, God's in control, and you were gonna say you were gonna add something. Well, no, I was just gonna say, just in regards to, in regards to, because I know most of the time people are asking this question. I say, no, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. Sometimes when people are asking this question, they're asking in regards to someone dying, you know, like or some type of like, um, you know, tragedy that's taking place in their life. More recently, though, the way that people have been kind of trying to throw out some of this conversation has been in regards to. Uh, as you said, you know, political leadership. And I think the irony behind that is that even Jesus didn't hold tightly to earthly political leadership. 
when you see his entire like his he steps on the scene culturally the jews are hoping that he's going to establish some sort of earthly kingdom and he's just kind of like you know he just doesn't he's not consumed with it the way that we are and i think you know you just see that in so many different layers you know he says whose face is on this coin all right then render under Caesar what belie- what belongs to Caesar. It's, it's his face on the coin. Give him what, what belongs to him, you know, and then give to God what belongs to God. And then, you know, e- even when he's in presence of Pontius Pilate and Pilate's like, you know, they say that you're uh, a king and, you know, you've got a kingdom. And, and Jesus is real plain with him. He says, if we were in my kingdom, you wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even be in your presence in this manner if we were in my kingdom. And doesn't and, he say, too, that you only have what you have because it's been granted to you from mm-hmm. above. So there's this mm-hmm. whole mentality and understanding, I believe, from Jesus in regards to the leadership here on earth that he doesn't hold too tightly to it. He's like, okay, well, this is kind of placed this way and you're a be- you're you're benefiting from it. But here I'm telling you that there's, something greater there's a greater kingdom there's a greater focus you should have and i think for believers for followers at the end of the day should we be negligent of the earthly things going on around us no however you should definitely be more focused on excuse me, the heavenly things uh that god as paul says you know whatever is noble whatever is praiseworthy you know make these things your focus um i'll just that's my two cents i'll leave yeah yeah i think and that's great actually to bring it back to jesus that's exactly his attitude is um he understood the purposes of god the sovereignty of god yet lived a life right doing his father's will that's what he says i I do what the father tells me to do that was an earlier sermon that pastor jeff did a couple weeks ago what if we all were like that i always do what the father asks me to do and I guess that was my question, probably how we could wrap up, is uh, how we how how should we navigate the tension of taking responsibility for actions and being intentional with how we live, yet also acknowledging and living within the sovereignty of God. Right? God is in control. God has his will. Uh, you just illustrated Jesus' perspective. Hey, you know, it's or I, I like what you said. He didn't hold on too loosely to those things. So you know, I think sometimes as Christians we can go like, well, you know, I'm trusting God. And sometimes we are, and sometimes that means I'm not doing anything, so I'm trusting God. Or it's pa- it's so passive. You can very passively be, quote, trusting God. I so. find this so hard <laughs> because there is certain responsibility we have, you know, uh, but then there's also the aspect of there's certain things as God's responsibility. And sometimes we try to do God's responsibility on ourselves. Like we take it and say, I have to do this. And sometimes, like you said, sometimes we're like, well, God's got to do it if I'm going to change or, you know, all these things. I find it very hard to not to find the balance in this to am I doing this because I'm trying to work it out on my own strength? Am I not being spiritual enough or am I being too spiritual and I'm just blowing off my responsibility that I should be taking. This is kind of like a a hard balancing act and fine line of letting God do his thing, but also understanding that I have certain responsibilities that I can't just neglect and blame it on God, you know, 
like and put it on God. Yes, God moves and changes hearts, but I have to be willing to let him change my heart. Yes, God God wants me to pray for others, but then there's also or uh, or like God wants me to not sin, but I can't just be like, well, I'm just going to pray until my sin goes away. Right. I have to pray that God changes my heart and helps me struggle with sin. But then I also have to say, okay, what are the areas in my life where sin is falling that I can shore up those places or put in protections, you know, so that I don't continue to sin. You know what I mean? But sometimes, and it's like, am I doing all my own strength? Am, am I not being fit? You know, it's, it's, it's a hard balance that I think both of those come into play. I think there's things that God says, I will do this, but there's certain things I expect of you. And I think of uh, what you said earlier, Pastor Jamal, about how we want to hang on to control. Sometimes we want to control people or a circumstance. And yeah, the, the, the right response is actually to back up and to not do anything and to leave it in God's hands, who is in control, who is sovereign. And yeah, so it's tough to walk that line sometimes. I think one of the things that, I just, uh, that pops into my mind, I read this this morning, my devotional time, but John chapter 6, this is after Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's um, actually taken a boat across the Sea of Galilee to a different part of town, and um, the people have now followed him there. Um, and one of the things he says in there, um, John chapter 6, um, starting at verse uh, 40, what do I have here? Oh, it scrolled on me. Sorry. I apologize. Um, yeah, here we go. Starting at 40, uh, 40. I'm sorry. I keep. I missed out. Anyway, I'm, I like, you know how you sometimes you have your Bible app and then you accidentally scroll and now you lose it until it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's what he says. He basically was laying, laying it down. He's like, this is the will of my father that I shall not lose a single one that he has given to me and that I will raise them up on the last day. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is making, and I'm sure that, you know what, there's probably other places where Jesus says, this is the will of my father. This is also the will of my father. This is also the will of my father. But in this moment, Jesus is making it very clear I have a job to do like and the will of my father is that anybody who believes in me will be raised up on the last day. So for me, I'm reading this and I see an emphasis on people coming to know Jesus. So at the end of the day, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to know what the sovereign will of Jesus or the sovereign will of God is. Sovereign will of God is for souls to come to know Jesus. That's right. It's it. That's so right. like now my qu my next question then is, all right, then what is my role in this will? To me, I'm, I'm, I'm this is kind of how I'm processing this. I find, you know, purpose through who Jesus Christ is. So Jesus Christ is the one who brings salvation, is the one who will raise up people on the last day. And, and thanks be glory be to God that all that have, are given to him that will not be lost. That's what it, it's, it's, you know, he's saying there. And I think my role, whether you're a cashier at ShopRite or, you know, you work construction and, you know, you're working on this high rise or whether or not you're, you know, a nanny or whether or not you're a student, my role is to ask God, how can I be part of your will, which is, souls coming to know jesus how like 
in this sphere of influence, in this circle that I occupy, how can I be a part of what you're doing in bringing souls into the kingdom of God? Maybe, maybe it's taking the moment uh, while the person is scanning or while I'm scanning their groceries into their, uh, into the shopping, uh, shop right bag. And she's got two kids, you know, one on one hip, the other one's in the, in the shopping cart and she's screaming and she's yelling. Maybe I take my, my own money, you know, and I buy like maybe a piece of candy for the little girl. So she stops crying. I, I'm just trying to help this mom get through this day and get to her car so she can get home. But for that mom, she goes home and she's like, man, that person was like an angel sent from the Lord. And now they're taking one step closer to knowing who Jesus is. I'm just talking about acts of kindness, right? Like in a very poetic way, but how can I be part of seeing souls come into the kingdom of God? I think that that's the main question I would need to ask with that understanding of it. First. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, what's my role? I like that you said that. <clears throat> I think that's what our attitude should always be. And that's why we can, we start, we learn and we grow, we understand, um, I can't do all, you know, things. I can't do everything. I can't be a missionary to every country and here and there. So like, okay, my role may mean supporting a missionary as they go to that country, but then that means I'm going to think of myself here. What's my missions field here or whatever it looks like. But so I like, I like how you word it that way. And well, God's in control. He is in control. Yeah. And also he's given us free will and Hey, so what's my role? What's my role in bringing people into the kingdom of God? What's my role in serving in God's kingdom? I think that's the way to understand it. Yeah, because, uh, and I guess th- where the danger can lie in that is, well, my role is just to pray, you know, and and but the reality is like sometimes we use it as an excuse, which is what I think you were trying to say earlier when you first introduced this question. But and that's what I say where where like sometimes it's it's a balancing act of understanding. Yes, I am called to pray. But I'm also called to act, and it's not necessarily one or the other. It can be both. But it also depends upon my attitude, too, because if I'm called to act and I'm acting as though, and then my thought, this act is making me somehow more righteous, then we're missing the point, you know, missing the mark or whatever. So that's why I say it's, it's, I feel like it's a balancing act of not using spiri- spirituality as an excuse to be passive, I think is the word you used. Mm-hmm. But then we're also not being like, well, I did these things and this makes me more spiritual. You know, it's it's finding that line of I'm trusting God, but I'm trusting enough God enough that I can step out and do these things because I know that God is in control and he's working things out. So it's 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 a hard balance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe from what you said, too, we don't use spirituality to uh, be passive, like you said. And also, we don't use spirituality to be controlling either. You know, yeah, it's finding finding that what makes sense for us in that situation or that circumstance. So, well, guys, appreciate the discussion. Anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think it's a great discussion and just talking about it a little further and I think thoughts that we have, but I think some really great perspectives that uh, you guys highlighted, so... Thanks for your time and for being here today. And a lot, a lot of you, a lot of different things were going on today that kept pushing this recording <laughs> back. So sorry, <laughs> we got it in. It's not your fault. They didn't do anything. Just uh, you know, and I, I had st- everybody had stuff going on. So uh, I do want to ask though, because we haven't talked any uh, any 
anything, you know, Marvel nerddom lately. Uh, I don't even know if we talked about the Loki finale, so we don't have to, but just see where you guys are at with stuff. I don't know. How 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 many minutes we got on our podcast? Uh, let's <laughs> look. We got. Uh, that's gonna be that's minutes, gonna be the minutes. thing that determines whether we talk. Five minutes. I'll just say that my my current uh, I want to say uh, obsession, but my current excitement is that Riri Williams will be in the next Black Panther movie. <laughs> that's that's all I need. That's it. For those of you don't who don't know who she is, look her up. That's it. Okay. That's right, it. Okay. I won't say anything. Well, I saw her. She's. Well, I know who she is, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Well, yeah, but I we'll, we'll talk about it often. Yeah. All right. We got five minutes. Uh, I'm enjoying the What If series. You know, it doesn't necessarily go into overly in depth as some of the other Marvel series, uh, but I am enjoying these little snippets of, you know, to hold me over until the next thing comes out, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I'm excited about some of the other stuff coming out. And uh, I want Star Wars stuff to happen again. Dude, well, that's okay. So I was wondering if they were going to do like fall is Star Wars. And I think they are because I'm now all of a sudden I'm seeing they dropped uh, some clip for something. They dropped the trailer for something else. Then I just saw a clip for like a behind the scenes Mandalorian season two episode. Okay. So I'm like, okay, yeah, they're starting to ramp up. And, and so I think Marvel's like ramping down. Right. So the one that they just had. Is what Star Wars Visions? Is that what it's called? Yes. Where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. almost like the anime it's version anime. of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, they got I, like I seven anime like... directors. I was, so yeah, I was watching it. Yeah, they, they, they're starting to hype it up. Yeah. It almost seems like they're like, okay, this is going to be our version of Marvel. What if it'll be the Star Wars yeah. visions of different characters or whatever going on? So, I don't know. I'm excited. I want to. I want to see Shang Chi. I'm excited because that's coming oh, yeah, out that, soon. That's a couple weeks, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to see that. Where I hear the real, the real, the real Mandarin is going to be in it, not the artificial Mandarin that they created for. Yeah. So, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah. We'll see if that's what happens. But I think so. They already dropped um, the dude. The what was the the Hulk's uh, monster that he fought in the movie? Abomination. Abomination. He's, the abomination. In the, he's in the trailer. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, he is. Really? Yes. It w- and it when and um and uh Doctor Strange's uh one companion that he Wong. Yeah, he's the one fighting the abomination in that, I believe. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I guess I've been I've kind of been an artist. I, I like believe so. I believe that's yeah, what they said. I only watched one trailer. But, so. but the irony I mean I'm I'm say I'm not surprised, but they've they've kept the same only person that's not the same is is Edward Norton, so rest right. in peace to him. But the guy who was the general from the from the Hulk movies, Ross, yeah. Ross has Ross. been in. That is the each one, one Marvel movie ones. that I actually have never seen. Is well, the Hulk. and and the Abomination then absolutely ties that movie into the MCU yeah, yeah. in a way that it hasn't been before because which means you got to. Oh, go you didn't think Ross now. was enough? Well, yes, but I I, I feel I found like out after the fact he was in. I, I I guess my my thing it's is just more like there hasn't been like much talk about that Hulk movie right. at all. Because we don't talk about being. Edward Norton, we just talk about Mark right Ruffalo. because they che- right. So, but I feel like the more they pull from that movie, the more it becomes, the more they make it part of the MCU. You know what I yeah. mean? In a way that it hasn't been. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, which is what they've been doing in the shows. I think part of Phase Four is kind of that's what they've been doing. 
in Endgame, the fact that they went back to Thor The Dark World, that movie, that was like the least liked Marvel movie, besides probably The Hulk. So it was kind of funny that they like went back all there. Like loose ends or whatever. Yeah, and like WandaVision, like everybody loves Wanda and Vision now, but I'm like, they were like, I don't think they were like really that big of a deal when all the other Avengers were there, but now they're front and center. So like, I think they've been doing that, like almost like, what do you call it? Uh, like their own Marvel deep cuts of their own Marvel mm-hmm. cinematic movies. Like in that sense. Which is kind of cool, which is why I think I told you that's when I realized, like, I guess I am like hardcore Marvel fan because I know all these deep cuts of like from the movie universe. I, I don't always know the comic stuff, which is why I never consider myself a huge fan. But all the movie stuff, except for the Hulk, which I just confessed, I didn't, I've never watched. And there's a bunch of other Marvel Disney Plus shows that they've already introduced and done trailers for. Um, and some of their Disney stuff, uh, including Miss Marvel, um, which is somebody who's fashioned after Captain Marvel, um, but she has her own set of powers that's different than Captain Marvel. Uh, they've Secret Wars supposedly they're going to introduce on Disney Plus yeah. and, and some stuff. So, so there's a lot in the works that way. I just don't know where their timeline is of when they're showing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I also heard that a which. The Ahsoka show, like, there's also going to be some talk about some other Jedi's who are in that. Really? I'm hoping from the way been, they referenced it that it might be Ezra. I'm not, but I'm not sure. Don't I'm ever not sure. Say, listen, don't oh. ever say that ever again, because I, 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 I don't know. The problem I don't know, is, the problem is, is they did my boy. Well, if you if you've not seen Rebels, you can turn this off right now. They did my man's. I haven't seen Rebel. Oh, you I haven't seen Rebels? No, sorry, I'll let you. Oh, no, no wait, no, no wait. Nope. I'm sorry. Nope. I'm talking about Bad Batch. I did see Rebels. I'm talking about Bad Batch. I haven't seen. Sorry, Never mind. Sorry. Never mind. Yeah. If they, uh, all I right. like Rebels. I, I'll, okay. If they, if Ezra's in there, that's what's up. So I, I don't know. They're just saying like, oh, this other Jedi that fans are gonna love and all that, and I'm like, who else would it be from the Ahsoka? It could be Cal. That'd be pretty it cool too. And yeah, yeah. He yeah. looks like him because that was based off. It's his, based uh, off right, of the so actor, right? He could just show up, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which, right. which could be, yeah. and I'd be okay with that too. I'm not hating on Cal. I'm just saying, which that's in the works too, from what I Ezra's understand. Ezra's my too. Gu- Ezra's like, my guy. I just mm. Ezra's my dude. All I know is that the end of Mandalorian season two. That's how it needed to end, and the fact that they did it that way. I, I, don't even, like, I don't know. No, with the Jedi who showed up. And I, that's what I'm saying. As I look back on it, I'm I feel like they reached a little. Been, it could it have was, been these other people. It probably should have been those other people. No, it should not have been. Bro, it that's have such been. a like, how. So you so if you could, so you'd say that that's how it should have ended. And that's why. How would you? So now, what do you way. expect for season two to end? How do you expect season two to end? It doesn't matter. It does matter. Season three, you mean? Season three. Yeah. Season three. Yeah. It does matter. And I just got an email that says mental health matters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying what I'm saying is season like what I'm saying is, bro, they ended that one. It was I'm not taking anything away from how excellent it was. I'm just saying it might I my fear is that it might have peaked just a smidgen early. Just a smidgen okay, sure, early. Sure. Like that's such a Well, I guess I mean he's such for, an iconic yes, character. Yes, but, but I'd but, say for, for lore. I, I think for lore because I think this intro 
produces Academy. Yeah, yeah, and I'm saying so. so I for, think that's why for they lore did that. purposes. If it wasn't him, and then that then ties at this it. point, just write him out of Star Wars completely. Like that was who he is because, after Return of the because Jedi. Because that does set it up to make the connections yes. to the. So that's that's all I mean. Because people people were throwing Ezra's name around. They were throwing other names. Three and I was so, like, yeah, of course I'd think that'd be cool, but no, it should be. Boom, and it, and it yeah. was. So I was like, actually, faith restored. I, in Star I almost would have preferred if if I, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, if they're gonna make more Mandalorian seasons, maybe that's a little bit of an early peak. If that was gonna be the series finale, Chef's Kiss. That's what I'm saying. I am. It does depend on where they go now. Yeah, because they could come back in like season four. And I. That's I'm, what they're saying. We're not done seeing Grogu. They're, right. We're not done. Right. They're so saying that. I guess we will learn more. And when but we see him again, the, we'll have a lightsaber and all that stuff they're talking about. You didn't so. think that that's the storyline of The Mandalorian is like, oh, the Jedi Academy and how it fell. Like, no. Yeah. And I feel so like. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, The Mandalorian. Like, I'm cool with it sticking with just Mandalorian lore Mandalorian yeah. storyline that's great I'm just saying this was like to to go there with that character in that moment all right we're setting up the academy and maybe they drop maybe next fall maybe fall 23 we're talking about the you know Star Wars the academy and it's like oh my gosh this oh my is, gosh you know like what if they <laughs> but but let's just let's just throw out there too. We're I'm not even saying, mentioning oh the Book God. of Boba Fett. I'm just saying, which is not Mandalorian yes, season yeah, three. Yeah, see, they've said so, nothing about this. No, they haven't said anything. I'm but excited. I have seen that it is supposed to be its own. And it's it's December not December 2021. Yeah. So, but there's nothing on it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what that's how Disney is now, though. They're like. They tease it. And They're then so they don't... tight-lipped about so much. The fact that I even found the thanks fact a lot, that the, Tom Holland. The fact that <laughs> yeah, Tom Holland. The fact that like, mm, I mean, they're so tight-lipped about everything. Like, here's what I know about Black Panther too, is that Riri Williams is in it. I also know that Michael B. Jordan is in it. And every time people ask Michael B. Jordan about like what he's doing in it, he's like, yeah, I'm just yeah tight-lipped so oh yeah yeah yeah. no no right. you might not ever see you might not ever see i, I don't know they that because they know now they that's that's how you gotta that's how you gotta sell your tickets that's how you gotta market your films like people gotta be straight up tight-lipped these ndas are bananas like it's even, crazy that it's become that way because it's not like the movie industry was always this secret like you well, even would watch trailers where they'd say where they give away the whole entire movie in the Come trailer. Come and see this movie yeah. where this happens. Yeah. Well, I think part of it too is like now technology is just different. Like these guys and girls are working on set and they're snapping pictures. Like I saw the other day. Um, who did I see? I saw a picture of somebody in their seat. Oh, oh. Um, um, my man, Moon Knight. Um, yeah, yeah. I forgot about I saw, that. Too. I, yeah, I already saw a picture of him in his costume and I was like, oh, why did I look? Why did I click on this? I was disappointed. I did not see him in this costume. Don't so. just don't. No, no, I wasn't disappointed about how it looked. I was disappointed, disappointed that, that it gave away. That it, yeah, that it kind of is now popped up. I, like, oh. I do think some of the. Oh, we're going longer five minutes. <laughs> I yeah. do think some of the issue is, and a lot of it used to be like you wanted to know what movie you were about to go see, and and I say that because Steph is always constantly saying, "Now, what's the plot of this movie? What's this movie about?" 
And I'm always saying, I, I don't know. I haven't watched it. We're, we're like, you've seen as much of it as I have. I don't want, I want to know that, okay, it's about the superhero and that's it. I do like to watch the trailers because they do get me excited. Some people are but like, then I get upset when they reveal things that I'm yeah. like, would have been better to be saved to reveal in the movie. And the, the biggest one I can think of is when they introduced Wonder Woman in, in, in the trailer. In the trailer, that would have been an epic and moment. Doomsday. So this is the problem. So this is the problem. You ready? You're talking about a genre of movie, comic book movies, that already have source material that are that fans can have access to versus movies that are like created and they're like, here, here's this film. This story is about this. Oh, great. That, so that trailer makes a lot more sense. A superhero movie trailer is different because now you can go to your comic book store and your comic and the comic book store guy already knows. He's like, oh yeah, the movie's about this. Read issues one, seven, uh, nine, 10 and 11, skip the rest, read 67. And that's the movie. And yeah. you can go get yeah. those books, read that. And you'd be like, wow, that's great. And then next thing you know, you go watch the movie. You're like, oh wow. Yeah, that was definitely that. So you can have access to the information, which is why they have to be so tight lipped about it is because everybody can go and do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, well, and then, and then you kind of are like, ah, in movies, movies tend to have a lot more now twists in them. But I was going to say you know this, though. I mean? One thing that isn't good is like when they rely solely on twists because we can all think of a show that ended bad because it was just about trying to fake you out constantly. Or you saw it coming a mile away. Or you saw it coming a mile away. But like WandaVision, I remember while that was going on, the director, at one point, they were like, so is it going to be like this? Or are fans going to be surprised? And he, he said, he goes, well, I mean, I think they, they may be surprised, but also like, I mean... We're not pulling out anything out of left field here. Like, I hope it ends satisfactory. I hope we told a good story that right. makes sense the way it ends. And I was like, yeah, right. right. No, we because don't need a reveal in the last five seconds before we cut right, the black every why, time. Right, because that's why M. Night Shalomalomalomalomala uh, has... He was known for his good twist, but then that became all he did was twist, and then they got so far and outstretched that... Whatever. That's I'm going to stop now. Well, I do know in WandaVision, they did film multiple versions of some like that last that la the one where if you haven't watched it sorry spoiler um where she's fighting um the witch and I she's got it. her sons she said we filmed like a couple different versions of that like that was just kind of like whoa which one are we going to use here because mm. they could have gone a couple different directions so that's, that's probably why they asked that and question and i wonder if sometimes they don't even know until they've spliced it all together and they see which one comes out i think the, the editor best, the editor you know. is the one with the director they're the ones that kind of are like hey here's the direction that we may go here's the direction we may go here's the direction we may go we're gonna shoot these scenes let's piece together the best story run with that i think that that's how they're doing how they're kind of planning those things out there. all right guys well it's been some really really great discussion about god's sovereignty and also movies. uh movies so <laughs> <laughs> thankfully god gave directors free will to create mm. wonderful content did he create an image or a movie is good because it reflects the story of battle of good and evil and redemption god sovereignly chose which directors <laughs> would freely choose to make these movies which director can accurately and more and most compellingly tell the story of uh, love and redemption the story that god has written since the beginning of time that's what Pastor Todd is trying to say. No, I'm just saying that's what makes Pro? it. Or uh, I gotta stop. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause I'm, we're just being, I'm sorry. I'm just dragging it out. But all right, everybody, if you're still here, thanks for joining us and being here the whole time. 
This has been Pastor Matt. Pastor Todd. Pastor Jamal. We'll see you next time.